Bloomberg Radio. From Largo to Seminole, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. Good morning. So happy it's Thursday, and it is six minutes after five on this Thursday morning, the penultimate day of the work week, Thor's Day, and one of our top ten favorite days of the week. And it is the Jack and James show this morning. So if you would like to be a part of the Jack and James show, give us a call at 800-969-9352, or you can text us at 82945 and begin your text with the call letters WFLA. We're getting ready, of course, for school to be cranked up again, to start again, and there are a lot of problems going into the school year, uh, and a lot of them as a result of still recovering from the pandemic as far as workers and people available. But um, Hillsborough County teachers returned to the classroom this week to start getting ready for the school year, but it's unclear what their salaries are going to be. Uh, the administrators and teachers reached an impasse last week and plan to return to the bargaining table during a scheduled meeting today. And the two sides attempted to reach an agreement before the school year began, and the uh, district is proposing a one-year supplement as opposed to a step on the pay scale, a supplement. And in the 21-22 school year, Teachers agreed to the one-year supplement instead of a permanent raise and an advance on the salary schedule. And by doing that, uh, the Hillsborough County Schools could use federal COVID-19 relief money for the increases. And they say that they feel it's time for the traditional pay increase that they agreed upon when they were first hired into the district. Uh, and it's hard to stay in the field when your money isn't keeping up with inflation, according to them, and that's very true. And what you were expecting and hired under, and they went on to say it's going to be hard to keep good teachers if you aren't honoring what you promised when they came on board. Hard to keep good teachers if you don't have competitive pay. I agree. I know a lot of teachers get into the field. They think it's going to be fun. They're educating the next generation. And then as soon as they discover that they have nothing to work with except what's in their own pocket, a lot of them get depressed. Yeah. And the district is still short more than 600 teachers. And, of course, they're working to hire quickly before the students come back to classrooms. And that is next week, August 10th. They're going to be back. Hey, let's uh, go to Tom in Clearwater. And, Tom, what's on your mind this morning? Yeah, hey, good morning, Jack. Good morning. I was just uh, calling to give a shout-out to the Coast Guard. It's the 232nd birthday today. Ah, it sure is. I think that's one of our Today in History items. And the Coast Guard has done a remarkable job here over the years. And it's great to have them basically protecting our waters, protecting our coast. 
and they've got a they've got a um, Tom. Well, Tom's gone, but uh, they've got a Coast Guard unit here in Tampa, I think, um, or at least boats off Davis Islands. I think we did a mayor's hour there one time. Oh, very nice. Um, but maybe somebody can clarify that for me. Maybe Tom can, if he's listening here. But we'll have uh, Chris Trekman with an update and a little throwback with Jack coming back. This one's kind of a bizarre one. And uh, this day in history coming up later on in this hour. It's 10 after 5, and time to check out our traffic now with John Thomas. Your podcasts. Quick takes. Ripping through the biggest news stories of the day in record time. Providing you all you need to know. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And not just quick takes, but Chris takes. Chris Trinkman here from the newsroom. And what's going on this morning, Chris? That's a good way to put it, Jack. <laughs> So, protesters are sleeping outside St. Petersburg City Hall right now as part of a protest about the rent increases in the city. Members of the St. Pete Tenants Union are urging lawmakers to help locals out who are facing sharp increases and being pushed out of their homes as a result. Rent has been going up in Pinellas County as much as 30%, and many are struggling to afford the jump, including elderly people on fixed incomes. The protesters plan to stay there until 9 o'clock when the city council meets to discuss the issue. Of course, we're now recovering from the uh, code. I mean, that's obviously really put things into turmoil, no question about that. But that's an awfully big rent hike, 30% right? in that short of a period of time. Nobody's pay is going up by 30% that I'm aware no. of. Certainly isn't. Unless you're on Wall Street or something. But, yeah, it's a, it's a real problem, Jack. And, unfortunately, the marketplace has just uh, been so competitive that prices are going up way faster than people's ability to pay. Now, they've been talking over there in St. Petersburg for some time now about putting in rent control where you would put a cap on the ability of landlords to, to raise rent. But so far, city council has not been interested in doing that. Um, but at the same time, the measures they've been doing so far haven't really done anything to help people. So we'll see if that uh, changes. You know, there have been some funds that people can draw on, but they seem to run out really quickly. Yeah. And we just keep hearing about more people uh, unable to pay these these increasing rents. Yeah, and although you expect them to go up, that's a significant increase. I mean, 30% across the board. Yeah. Uh, and people aren't quite ready for that. Of yeah. course, I'm wondering that this thing's going to end up in court big time because you wonder how much the city can do to suppress it as well. That's right. And and say the city did pass a rent control ordinance, they would immediately get sued. Yeah. So that's probably one of the considerations when they when they think about these issues. We'll big see what they time. have to we'll see what they have to say when they have their meeting later this morning and have to address the issue. So Taiwan is preparing for war without seeking war. That country's military made the announcement after China began several days of military drills around the island in reaction to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taipei. You know, it's interesting, Jack. China really hyped up the visit by Nancy Pelosi as almost an act of war. They were putting out of their state-controlled media to the Chinese people that this was just an, a terrible affront to Chinese sovereignty and that they were going to do something about it. 
And sure enough, Pelosi came and went, and China didn't do anything. Yeah, and I think they're under pressure to show their people that you know they they've got some kind of gumption because they didn't follow through on on the hype. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big Nancy Pelosi fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I was pretty impressed that she went through with that. I would have been terrified to do that given the threats from China, thinking you know they're going to shoot the plane down or yeah. Lord only knows what they might do. And of course, an act like that would be an act of war, but. Uh, still it's it's a pretty daring thing she has done well we'll hope that china's not serious about invading taiwan you know that's the fear that this is an exercise leading up to some kind of uh you know invasion the problem that china has with taiwan is that you know they've got a lot of advanced military support from countries like ours and it's a it would be an aquatic assault you know this isn't the same thing as ukraine where you just roll in tanks yeah and you know put them on the highways you'd actually have to come up with a way to get into that country from the water it's a much different way uh of conducting a military operation and so far china has not taken the steps to do that but they they seem to be you know wrapping up the uh the rhetoric that maybe someday they would do that yeah you wonder how involved we would get because questionably are we ready to go to war with china yeah well taiwan's an important ally they produce a yeah. lot of uh, electronics and high-tech products and you know we we are uh, you know reliant on that country for a number of uh, a number of important resources so yeah yeah it, it's it's a big question mark and we don't really know how far china wants to push this thing but one thing's for sure jack they had to save face because there are people. There were many people in China that were disappointed and made it made uh, the leadership there look somewhat weak. That Nancy Pelosi was able to, you know, walk right in front of them like that, and then they didn't do anything despite all the hype that they put on their state media. So I think these war exercises are there to try and show that they're, oh, they're yeah. still tough guys. You yeah, know? <laughs> so. so the Senate giving a thumbs up to efforts by Finland and Sweden to join NATO. Finland and Sweden want to uh, end a long-standing military neutrality, and this is all because of the war in Ukraine. So if Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, thought that he was going to weaken NATO with this invasion, it's had the opposite effect. Oh, yes. And instead has led those countries to say, you know what, we're no longer interested in being neutral. We want to be part of that long border with Russia to, that would require uh, other nations to defend them if they were invaded by Russia. And, of course, our commitment to NATO would involve us if there was any kind of an outbreak of war there with them. Yeah, and, and all the other countries as well. That's that's part of the alliance. And that's one of the things Russia's always hated about it, is that it requires all the members to defend any country along the Russian border that uh, deals with some kind of uh, assault on their sovereignty. And so that's got to be frustrating for Vladimir Putin, and in some ways uh, shows his uh, miscalculation on the invasion of Ukraine. If he thought, first of all, it was going to be a quick victory, he was wrong about that. And if he thought it was going to weaken NATO, he was wrong about that, because it ended up with two more members. Yeah, it strengthened NATO. Strengthened NATO and extended the NATO border much further north. They have a lot of shared uh, border space there between those two countries, going way up into the north. And, uh, you know, Russia has made all kinds of threats that they're going to send troops there and whatnot. But the problem is, if they do any kind of attack on those countries, now they got to deal with NATO, not just yeah. Finland or Sweden by themselves. For sure. 
Well, we're uh, this is uncertain times in the world now between China and Russia and NATO. I mean, this is really, like I say, uncertain. But Chris will have more coming up here in about nine minutes, bottom of the hour. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Jack. It's 521. Time to check in with John Thomas in traffic. Thrown it back with Jack on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And at 525 on AM Tampa Bay, my throwback goes back over a fairly long period of time. And it regards the show MASH, which was a big hit back in the early 70s. I think into the 80s. I remember my grandfather used to watch that show. I, I, I was too little to understand what was going on at the time. Oh, it was an excellent show about the war in Korea. I mean, it yeah. was a comedy, but it was the setting was the war in Korea. And Alan Alda was the big star of it, played Captain Hawkeye Pierce. And I never met Alan Alda, but I ended up having lunch with his dad, Robert Alda, who was a star in his own right, and his brother, Anthony Alda. I ended up, uh, and I don't even remember why, I think they were Channel 8, and Channel 8 asked me to take them to lunch, and we went over to what used to be Fridays over in Beach Park. And um, But anyway, that was his dad and brother. And then I spent an afternoon with McLean Stevenson, who played Colonel Henry Blake. Oh, wow. And I guess I must have had him on my TV show or something, but... We ended up having lunch and beers together. Uh, he was later replaced by Harry Morgan as Colonel Potter, but um, he was the original head of the MASH group. And then when Joy and I were in Bermuda one time, we were in a restaurant and bar there, ran into Wayne Rogers and met him and talked to him for a few minutes. He played Trapper John McIntyre. And... Um, Gary Berghoff played Radar on the show, and he was on Pulse Plus with me. And again, we spent the afternoon, had lunch and beers together, um, and which I found pretty interesting. He was nothing like the character Radar for oh, sure. Really? Huh. And then Jamie Farr, who played uh corporal Klinger, and he was on harrison company when it was at bush gardens and he and i and tom stork who was the director out at bush gardens back then uh took a ride we were the first ones to ride on the first roller coaster that opened at bush gardens and that was way back when because they've got all kinds of roller coasters and things like that but that that's the only picture i think i have is of uh jamie farr and uh myself and tom stork riding on that roller coaster but it's kind of amazing to have been working with that many people from that show mash um again let's see henry blake uh well Alan Alda's dad and brother, uh, Wayne Rogers, Gary Berghoff, and Jamie Farr, which I don't know if that's interesting or not. Oh, it is. But it's if you're incredible. a MASH fan, it, 
Well, it's just strange that, you know, I can't think of any other TV show I've worked with that many different people by a long shot. But so much for the Throwback Thursday. Uh, it was great. Let's throw back forward here to 528 on AM Tampa Bay. 9-7. Keeping you up on what's trending, here's the AM Tampa Bay trendsetter, Katie Bacino. And at 538, uh, Katie off taking a little recovery time here. Yeah, a little and, vacation in bed. Um, what's that? A little vacation in bed. She's yep. sleeping the days away right now. Yep, and we hope she's doing well. Yeah. We sure this is uh, COVID central right here on the morning First show. First I had it, you had it, now Katie has it. We're I not, had it twice. We're not, yeah, we're not passing it to each other, though. Yeah, I, I think Katie had it before, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, she's doing better. Uh, but what, what, I've forgotten what we're doing. Oh, yeah. All the trending stories Trending today. <laughs> online here with so, James Berlin. Yeah, so residents in Cape Coral, Florida are on the lookout for a monkey uh, hanging out on the front porch when they spotted a monkey that ran into some bushes and then jumped out moments later. Ledford and some other witnesses on social media said the uh, animal appeared to be a capuchin monkey, which I'm not really too familiar with that uh, you know, type of monkey. Ledford capuchin. Said, yeah, capuchin monkey. Ledford said that he had been uh, leaving food out for the monkeys in hopes of uh, getting another look. He said that the food had been disappearing, but he hasn't been able to confirm whether uh, the monkey was taking it or maybe some uh, some raccoons or some other type of primate stealing the food. <laughs> um, but uh, apparently some other unconfirmed sightings were reported in early July in Portland, Maine. Uh, Anna M- McMarchie said that she had spotted what she believes uh, to be a monkey running across uh, Congress Street and re- uh, climbing a fence on the other side. So apparently there's just monkeys loose everywhere. And... Of course, we got monkey pox now. I know. Got to be, uh, got to be careful, Jack. Yeah, we certainly do. Also, real quick in the news, uh, it keeps on coming back. The Mexican pizza is coming back from Taco Bell. Now, this was a thing that they, uh, they uh, kind of, uh, they tried to keep on the menu, but they kept on running out of their ingredients. But as of September fifteenth, Taco Bell is returning permanently their Taco Bell Mexican pizza. Hmm. So I haven't had the chance to try it, so maybe this time around I'll be able to uh, to grab a slice. It's it's, it's always been uh, sold out whenever I try to uh, try to order it at three o'clock in the morning. Well, you can have mine. Okay, I, I'll bring you in one. We no, split that's it. okay. I'm I'm not into Mexican pizza. I've I've heard it's good going down, bad coming out. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> or coming out. Right, exactly. It's one opening or another. So that is uh, what's trending online today. All right, James. It's 540 on AM Tampa Bay, and we got Today in History coming up next. But right now, we got John Thomas in traffic. Now, taking a look back at This Day in History on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And This Day in History, August 4th, is presented by the Duncan Duo in 1693, a date traditionally ascribed to Dom Perignon's invention of champagne. They say it's not clear whether he actually invented champagne. However, he has been credited with uh, being an innovator who developed the techniques used to perfect sparkling wine. In 1783, Mount Asama erupted in Japan 
killing about 1,400 people, and the eruption caused a famine, which resulted in an additional 20,000 deaths. 1790, a newly passed Tariff Act created the Revenue Cutter Service, which was the forerunner of the United States Coast Guard, which we talked about earlier today. In 1821, the Saturday Evening Post is published for the first time as a weekly newspaper. 1873, the American Indian Wars. While protecting a railroad survey party in Montana, the U.S. 7th Cavalry under Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer clashes for the first time with the Cheyenne and Lakota people near the Tongue River and only one man on each side was killed, fortunately. 1889, the Great Fire of Spokane, Washington, destroyed some 32 blocks of the city, prompting a mass rebuilding project. 1882, the father and stepmother of Lizzie Borden are found murdered in their Fall River, Massachusetts home, and she was tried and acquitted for the crimes a year later. 1914, World War I, in response to the German invasion of Belgium, Belgium and the British Empire declare war on Germany, and the U.S. at that time declared its neutrality. 1944, in the Holocaust, a tip from a Dutch informer leads the Gestapo to a sealed-off area in an Amsterdam warehouse, where they find and arrest Jewish diarist Anne Frank and her family and four others. That's been the subject of a couple of movies, Anne Frank's Diary. 1946, an earthquake of magnitude 8.0 hits northern Dominican Republic. 100 are killed and 20,000 are left homeless. 1964, civil rights movement, civil rights workers, Michael Schwerner, Andrew Goodman, and James Cheney are found dead in Mississippi after disappearing on June 21st. 1969, in the Vietnam War, at the apartment of French intermediary Jean Santani in Paris, American Representative Henry Kissinger and North Vietnamese Representative Juan Thuy began secret peace negotiations. The negotiations obviously failed later on. In 1977, U.S. President Jimmy Carter signed legislation creating the U.S. Department of Energy. In 1987, the Federal Communications Commission rescinded the Fairness Doctrine, which had required radio and television stations to pre present controversial issues fairly. We had to make sure we covered all sides of the issue. Oh, yeah, got to be fair. And they rescinded that, though, because that ended up in lawsuits, as you might understand. Mm -hmm. In 2007, NASA's Phoenix spacecraft is launched, ended up landing on the planet Mars, in 2019, nine people are killed and 26 injured in a shooting in Dayton, Ohio, 
and this came only 12 hours after another mass shooting in El Paso, Texas, where 23 people were killed. So these mass shootings have been with us, well, for much, much longer than that, but they become a real major threat now, uh, and that was beginning in 2019. Uh, locally, August 5th, 1842, the record coolest August temperature. What do you think that would have been, James? So in, in August for, for locally? Yeah, locally uh, in August at Tampa International Airport. See, I don't think it's going to dip down that low. I'm going to say in the upper 80s. So I'm going to no, say. No, no, I'm talking overnight. And just okay, over. Oh, okay, overnight. Coolest, okay, coolest as overnight. As cool as it got, day or night. Uh, I'm going to say 78. It got all the way down to 64 back in. Really? 1842. Wow, in August? Yeah, and I wow. didn't know they were even keeping records back then. That's incredible. And the last, and certainly not least, in 1982, owner John Bassett revealed the name of his new USFL team, the Tampa Bay Bandits. Hmm. And that, of course, uh, was influenced by Burt Reynolds, as he was one of the co-owners of the team. And that name came from the movies that were very popular back then. Oh, yeah. Smokey and the Bandits. So that's how we got the name. And I fortunately got to broadcast with them for their three years of existence. It's 549 on AM Tampa Bay. One other quick thing here. Um, that league would have been very strong. In fact, the Bandits were the strongest team in the league as far as attendance, and they outdrew the Buccaneers back then. I think it's a great name. That's a great name, the Bandits. And it was a great team. It was great rules. I mean, the differences between the USFL and the NFL were tremendous. And uh, Donald Trump was an owner of the New York team. The um, I've forgotten what they were called now. But anyway, he wanted to get them into the NFL and brought down the collapse of the USFL. That was Donald Trump's fault. <laughs> well, he's got enough money now. Maybe he could start it back up here in Florida. That would be nice. Well, there's <laughs> talk of the USFL starting up again. Yeah. And there's going to be a bandits team, although there's not going to be a team in Tampa. Very sad. Yeah, it certainly is. It's 550 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check in on traffic with John Thomas. Live on 99.1 FM in Pasco County. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. At 5.54, we're joined now by Rory O'Neill, our NBC News Radio reporter. And he's brought to you by the Oncology Institute. And uh, Rory, I'm reading here that the high-tech car, the kind of cars we drive today is learning a lot about us, and the car companies could be making money off of it. Now, what is this all about? 
Right. So those these smarter cars, and the cars are getting smarter all the time if they can get the chips. Uh, but the smarter cars uh, can learn an awful lot. They know where you go, when you go, how fast or slow you're going. They even know the driving conditions, so what the weather is like uh, at the time you're driving. They even can tell in some cars, your car can tell if you're gaining or losing weight. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, right? So you, now you have to you know, work out before you get in the front seat. So uh -huh. the, uh, the thing is, what do you do with all that data? Car companies can be selling it. You know, they'll use the word, oh, we share data. No, they sell it and make money off it. So the question is, how, what kind of privacy rights do we have as individuals uh, before your car company can sell off some of this tracking data? Now, is this the car companies themselves like... Uh, the company that makes Volkswagen or whatever it might be, or are we talking about the dealer? Uh, so No, so this will be the manufacturer, and they'll have some intermediary company that normally handles their tech. So, um, you, you know, so Jack, say you run the tech tracking company, Volkswagen would hire you. So it may not be the manufacturer directly, but some other tech company in between. And, and you know, whether your car is really smart or you plug your smartphone into your car to make it smarter, a lot of this information is tracked by the vehicle uh, and then stored, and it can be downloaded or transferred, and, and then that information about you uh, is sold to people like insurance companies. You know, they're even apparently making developments where, say, you're in your car, especially in, in cars of the future, you pull up to an intersection, well, the, the screen in your car may reflect the billboard that's there at that intersection. So now uh -huh. you're seeing an, the ad in two places. Um, yeah, so th there may be advertising opportunities now for that screen in your car. Uh -huh. Isn't that just what we need? Getting a little bit scary. Well, our Rory O'Neill report is brought to you by the Oncology Institute, a new kind of cancer care provider focused on clinical outcome and patient satisfaction and designing a treatment plant that's right for you. Six locations across the Bay Area and make an appointment at the oncologyinstitute.com. And Rory, we'll talk to you later. It's 557 on AM Tampa Bay. From Palm Harbor to Val Rico, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris, where Tampa Bay begins their morning. And a good morning to you at six minutes after six on this Thursday morning, Thor's Day, and one of our top ten favorite days of the week. It's the Jack and James show this morning. Jack and James Berlander on hand here. And if you want to join us at any time, give us a call at 800-969-9352. we got some birthdays to celebrate on this August 4th. First of all, I think that uh, either today or yesterday is Tom Brady's birthday. I believe that was yesterday. Of I think he Bucks. celebrated 45 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was yesterday, and we missed saying happy birthday to him then. So Now he hates us. We'll give him a belated <laughs> happy birthday. Also, today's birthdays, Shana King, Jim West, name fairly well-known, Shana King, also involved in broadcasting, Robert Tennant, Robin A. Dare, uh, Dominique Martinez, 
J. Madhu, K.P. Leonard, and Kevin Brown. And have you got any birthdays to add to that? Yeah, I've got uh, Stephen Monica, also Kim Stevens, and Tanya. Her last name is Warshock, I believe it's pronounced. Well, she'll know if you (laughs) got it right or or not. Well, happy birthday to all of them, to Shana, Jim, Robert, Robin, uh, Dominique, Jay, KP, and Kevin. We got them all. Yep. Bring us some cake. Yes, indeed. (laughs) By all means. And we've got some, um, well, some jokes that have been set to us here. These come from Wayne Greenberg. Alrighty. And I think these are supposed to be Irish jokes. While reading an article last night about fathers and the sons, memories came flooding back to the time I took my son out for his first pint. Off we went to our local pub, only two blocks from the cottage. I got him a Guinness, and he didn't like it, so I drank it. Then I got him a Kilkenny's. He didn't like that either, so I drank it. And finally, I thought he might like some harp lager, and he didn't, so I drank it. And I thought, well, maybe he'd like whiskey better than beer, so we tried a Jameson's, and nope. In desperation, I had him try that rare Redbreast Ireland's finest whiskey, and he wouldn't even smell it. What could I do but drink it? And by the time I realized he just didn't like to drink, I was so drunk I could hardly push his stroller back home. (laughs) There's Dave. That wasn't too bad. Yeah, that was all right. Here we go. Let me see how this is. Uh, An Irish confession. I went into the confessional box after many years of being away from the Catholic Church. And inside, into the confessional box, I found a fully equipped bar with Guinness on tap. And on one wall, there was a row of decanters with fine Irish whiskey and Waterford crystal glasses. And on the other wall, a dazzling array of the finest cigars and chocolates. And when the priest came in, I said to him, Father, forgive me, for it's been a very long time since I've been to confession, but I must admit that the confessional box is much more inviting than it used to be. And he said, You moron, you're on my side. (laughs) It's in the wrong part of the confessional box. Um... And Mick says to Patty, Close your curtains the next time you're shagging your wife. The whole street was watching and laughing at you yesterday. And Patty said, Well, the joke's on them, those stupid a-holes, because I wasn't even home yesterday. (laughs) And there we can thank Wayne Greenberg for those. It's 6.11 on, I'm trying to rush in the morning, 611 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check in on traffic with John Thomas. Live from the WFLA studios, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 615 on AM Tampa Bay. Um, by the way, you probably know the score because it was an early afternoon game, but the Rays finally came up with a win. 
three to two over the Blue Jays. They're going to be in Detroit tonight through Sunday. You got a four-game series with the Detroit Tigers or the Lakeland Tigers. Hey, this story you may have heard it on the news about a Lake Wales canine was killed in the line of duty yesterday morning, responding to a domestic violence call. An investigator saying the suspect responsible, well, was then shot and killed by officers at the scene, and police said the canine Max was murdered by 57-year-old convicted felon Ernest Borders. And the police chief said the incident began around 5 a.m. when 911 dispatchers got a call from a woman who said the Borders had pulled her out of a vehicle, beat her head on the concrete, choked her, wow. and then shot a firearm multiple times before fleeing. And Borders then came back a short time later, and when officers tried to apprehend him, they said he fled alongside railroad tracks into a wooded area, and they set up a perimeter and asked for assistance from the Polk County Sheriff's Department, and they sent in the canine Max and his handler, uh, Officer Jared Joyner, to track Borders, and when Max apprehended Borders, and had him by the ankle, Borders pulled out his gun and shot the police dog, killing him. And two officers, including Joyner, then opened fire on Borders, who was critically injured and soon died. But a procession for Max was held from the Lake Wales Police Department to the medical examiner's office, and Joyner led the procession with Max's body inside the patrol vehicle. But here's the thing about this. According to the Lake Wales Police Department, well, first of all, Max had joined the agency when he was 20 months, 21 months old in uh-huh. 2016. He was a Belgian Malinois. I'm not familiar with, with that breed of dog, but it was from the Netherlands, and he was described as fearless. But listen to this about borders. The, well, the guy who was also a victim, but the one that killed the dog, he had 18 prior felony convictions. Wow. 18 with charges including battery, assault, and grand theft. He had served three separate sentences in the Florida State Prison. And... I'm looking at his mugshot, Jack, and he just looks pure evil. And the question is, whoever let him out the third time is responsible for this dog being killed because this guy should not have been out. 18 prior felony convictions, including battery, assault, grand theft, and he had served three separate sentences in the Florida State Prison. They don't, he didn't learn his lesson. I don't think he ever would have. Yeah, you can bet the house on it when you open up the gate and say, okay, you're free to go, and you're going to be back. And at the same time, there are going to be victims before he comes back. And whoever decided to let this guy out of prison the third time is responsible for that dog's death, and Lord knows what else. 
But, man, that is just incredible. By the way, have you seen those videos of those guys beating up that old lady? I, I have, yeah. It's it's sickening. That's unbelievable. I mean, she's down on the floor, and one of them comes back and kicks her in the head. Those are more people that just don't deserve to have a life. They certainly don't. They need to be behind bars for the rest of their lives. Right. Anybody would kick an old lady around like that. Unbelievable. Well, we're certainly living in different times. Well, it's 6.20 on AM Tampa Bay, and we've got Aaron Real coming up our NBC News radio reporter going to be talking about the, well, our um, Facebook and Twitter and all the social media. And apparently there's a new app out there, and uh, I haven't even heard of this app, so hopefully yeah, she'll be able to I fill us either. in on it. I think I'm going to pass on downloading this one. It's 621. Time to check out traffic now with John Thomas. Jack. Katie and James, every weekday morning. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 625 on AM Tampa Bay, and joining us right now is Aaron Real, our NBC News Radio reporter. And Aaron, we got Facebook and Twitter, and of course, they're trying to stay relevant. They're doing everything they can to remain relevant, but there's a new social media app they say is flourishing and i haven't even heard of it tell us about it i actually hadn't heard of it until i started researching for this story but it's at the top of the app charts it's called be real it's amassed 1.7 million downloads since may of this year alone only here in the u.s it's a french app uh it was launched in 2020 and it basically is really appealing to the gen z values of authenticity and the rejection of social norms so basically what it does the the premise behind it is that at a different time each day users receive this notification that kind of nudges them to post a photo of whatever they're up to at that particular time. It posts a photo from the front and back of your phone, a front picture and a back picture. And just, it's a lot of mundane stuff, really. People sitting at bus stops, uh, people sitting at their office desk in a dirty bedroom, you know, just cooking a meal. It's so interesting that this has such staying power because it's the opposite of performative social media and it's really changing how we interact with social media there's no influencers there's no ads there's no edits there's no filters you get one post a day that's it it's really really bare bones but it is doing incredibly well it has almost 30 million downloads to date and it's valued right now after its last series raise of 85 million dollars it's valued at 630 million dollars but hasn't turned a profit yet so it's really fascinating that is incredible and I could understand that, um, Aaron, because with TikTok, everyone's going over the top with, you know, look what I can do with all their tricks and, and the crazy stuff. So it's kind of nice to see the mundane side of people's lives at times because then you realize your life might not, not be that boring. And you know what? It's interesting finding joy in the mundane. And we're really in this cultural moment where, where people, they're, they're getting tired of this aspirational performative culture of Instagram, like the authenticity that you're talking about seems to be really appealing, particularly to the younger generation. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Twitter, we see what everybody had for dinner last night on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And you know, it it isn't, when it comes to ad revenue and and generating money, it's going to be interesting to see how 
they're going to challenge the traditional revenue generating models for social media. You know, Chipotle is already on Be Real. They they post promo codes. PacSun, an American retail brand that really focuses on on the younger generations. And as an elder millennial myself, I, I don't completely understand the value of this. I, I assume just don't post at all. But I guess that shows that perhaps I'm really artificial and and like the polished version of Instagram and things. I'm like, oh, that's pretty. But no, the the back of a greasy picture of my forehead seems to be more appealing. (laughs) Well, I guess this probably isn't the last one we're going to see either because the more successful these social media are, the more of them that are going to be popping up. But, uh, Absolutely. And the old guard is really taking notice. They've recognized the competition. And uh, just this week, Instagram introduced a front-back camera feature to this, this Be Real thing. And, and Facebook, they announced that going forward, their feeds are going to surface videos from popular content as opposed to people you know. They keep trying to keep up, so that's for sure. Well, I'm going to download this app right now. I'm going to try it out. Yeah. How <laughs> did we make it without <laughs> social media 20, 30 years ago? But... Uh, Aaron Real, NBC News Radio, will be talking to you tomorrow. All right. Thanks so much, guys. And it's 629 on AM Tampa Bay. Let's hear about the dopiest dope of all the dopes of the day on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And at 638, James, who we got as our dope of the day. Well, we always hear about people of Walmart. The customers are have always been crazy. Normally, you go in there late night, and it's something they're either wearing or how they're acting. This time around, it's a pharmacist at Walmart. Have you ever uh, encountered like a strange pharmacist, Jack? I don't know that I have. I usually deal with the ones in uh, Walgreens. Okay, yeah, a little bit more classy, I guess. So, no details are available as to why an Arkansas pharmacist at the Walmart in West Helena had a violent episode while at work. The mother of a victim says that the unnamed pharmacist told her, you're a demon, and I'm going to effing kill you, when she gave her daughter's name to pick up a prescription. The pharmacist allegedly started throwing objects at the pharmacy's plexiglass windows and then continued its rampage into the entire store. Police were called, and now the man is on a 72-hour hold. So that is our dope of the day. Normally you hear about the customers, but I never would expect a pharmacist you know, to go off like that. But maybe he counted uh, and took too many pills. Yeah, that's got to be a possibility. <laughs> so that's our dope of the day for uh, for Thursday. Yeah, i got to hand it to 99.99% of the pharmacists. They, they do a remarkable job. Oh, yeah, they do. And they, they have long days as well. They certainly do that. I don't think there's a, uh, uh, enough pharmacists. I think there's shortages there, too. Yep, for sure. I've got, uh, well, a close friend of my son uh, went to pharmacy school, so getting ready to help fill the gap. Well, hopefully he doesn't go <laughs> go crazy like this one did. And, and all, she won't. It's 640 on AM Tampa Bay. Time to check on traffic now. John Thomas. Monitoring every tick of the market. Here's Jay Ratliff, day trading expert on AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris. And at 643, Jay, welcome on board here this morning. Um, Good morning. I understand here from what you sent us that tech stocks lifted Wall Street yesterday 
in the uh, latest rally here. So I guess that's a very good thing. It is. A lot of people, of course, uh, many of the portfolios kind of heavy on the tech stocks, if you will. And it was certainly good to see. And, you know, we're starting to see that Buzz Lightyear crowd show back up, my friend. These uh, people that are going to be saying to infinity and beyond, the market's bottomed and we're on our way back up. And uh, a lot of uh, excitement starting to uh, to move along here as we're seeing uh, the, the market start to recover back uh uh, strongly uh, is probably too strong of a word to use at this point in time, but we're headed in the right direction, and that's certainly something that investors want to see. Oh, yeah, undoubtedly. And how long is that going to continue with the well, talk know, we, about a recession? Well, the recession uh, talk kind of uh, got a new uh, topic, if you will, because we had some data that came in from the U.S. services industry that showed in July, <clears throat> excuse me, a surprisingly uh, strong uh, growth order. Uh, they also said some of the bottlenecks and, and some of the price uh, pressures actually eased a bit. This was a surprise, and it suggests that maybe the economy wasn't quite in the recession mode that we thought it was going to be. We're going to have to wait and see. The, the real key, I think, coming up, Jack, is going to be uh, tomorrow's jobs report, because the analysts right now are looking for 250,000 jobs added in July. Uh, and if the number is higher than that, we could actually see a sell-off on Wall Street, which wouldn't make much sense if you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, Jay, time out. If we have more jobs created than what we expected, isn't that a good thing? Yes, it is. But another strong jobs report uh, could mean our friends at the Federal Reserve. Now, they just added three-quarters of a percentage point in interest rates uh, last week. They may see that the uh, economy is going a little bit faster than what they thought, and to stay ahead of the, the inflation and the economy, they might have to take stronger action on some future interest rate hikes. And sometimes that does not sit well with Wall Street. So if tomorrow after 8.30 you see that number come out more than 250,000, you start to see some softness on Wall Street, that could be something uh, that's playing into it right now. But, Jack, I'm still saying there's a lot of dynamics that are impacting the market right now, and it's, it's tough to take one, two, or three of them and, and indicate as, as a reason for this or that. But overall, uh, the economy has been slowing in a wet bit, and a lot of the future guidance on some of the earnings we're seeing, not as strong as what we would like to see. Many uh, companies saying that they're going to be uh, uh, curbing off some of their future hiring, some that are going to be laying off some employees that we saw with, uh, I think, Walmart with some of their executives that were getting laid off. And as long as that kind of trend continues, my concerns are going to be there. And uh, accordingly, that means caution is uh, warranted when you approach this market. But it is still, I guess, still as a result of the COVID, um, there are so many places looking for people. I know restaurants particularly, we go to so many, and oftentimes they apologize. Well, we don't have enough people to serve everybody, so you'll have to bear with us or something like that. And it just seems there's a shortage. Oftentimes you see signs in front of restaurants saying, looking for help, apply inside, or whatever the case may be. You know you're in trouble when they have a sign on the door that says, uh, short of cooks, you know, cooks needed. Like, well, here we go. It's going to be a long wait. But think of these men and women that, and you know several of them, Jack, that that own these restaurants that survived the pandemic. I mean, what a courageous effort that was to make it through there when they were really restricted. And then to finally say, okay, we can go back to 100% operation, and then to find out you can only have 60% or fewer of the employees you had before. 
I mean, it's like one challenge after another. And that's one of the reasons with so many of these small businesses being impacted across the country, not only restaurants but others, and when we recognize that most of the new jobs created in this country come from small businesses that are suffering right now, they're the ones that are being forced to raise the, the cost of their goods and services because they have fewer employees. It's harder for them to do what they have to do. They're paying more. And as a result, their profits are down. They're losing money, and they're, they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth, hoping this job market turns around uh, soon, sooner than later. And I hated the term new norm when we went into the pandemic. I thought it was overused. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of what we're seeing right now. It's, we're hoping that we'll get back to the point where we've got a surplus of people looking for jobs. But on the horizon, we don't see it coming. Well, let's hope monkeypox doesn't make an impact now. <laughs> oh, good Lord, let's hope not as well. But there's always got to be a crisis on the on the headlines or on the horizon, and that's what we've got right now. But you always, always can look at the stock market to see how serious a situation is as far as in the eyes of the money on Wall Street. And right now, that's yet to have any sort of an impact. But obviously, as with anything, things can change at a moment's notice on that uh, wild and wacky world known as Wall Street. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the good thing is, in Florida, if we do have a monkeypox epidemic, at least we know that Governor DeSantis will not shut the state down. No, you've got, a, you've got a good leader there. And, you know, the other thing on some good news that's going to help Florida is the gas prices that were up, you know, averaging around 5 bucks a gallon are down down to 4 We've seen it drop uh, for several weeks. And, of course, that bodes well for people that are thinking about going on vacation to what's been the, the number one vacation spot through COVID and beyond as far as uh, heading to the, uh, the great state of Florida. Yep, absolutely. Well, Jay Ratliff. Uh, thank you for joining us here, and we'll be talking to you again tomorrow. And before you invest, before you get involved in Wall Street, you want to go to daytradefund.com, daytradefund.com. And thank you, Jay. Jack, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you. It's 649 on AM Tampa Bay, and here's John Thomas with traffic. Live on the free iHeartRadio app, this is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 6.53 on AM Tampa Bay, and I haven't mentioned our um, great blog that we've got up here now. A uh, family has six kids in the catch. Four of them are fake. <laughs> Gotta check that out. And then people are naming their babies after popular cities. And it names some of the names for guys and girls, what they're being named. But a lot of other great things that you're going to find right there. Um, well, feeding an alligator at the zoo goes wrong. You got to check that out. But some good stuff on there. AMChampaBay.com. AMChampaBay.com. You want to check out our blog. By the way, we were talking yesterday about uh, how the Republicans had voted against the bill, which was for veterans, and how I was surprised that the Republicans had voted against it, that the passage came after 47 Republicans sunk it the week before over a last-minute change made by Democrats to switch the funds from mandatory to discretionary and GOP lawmakers accused Democrats of creating 
basically a slush fund uh, with the move, but the bill managed to pass with a change intact. Uh, victory for Democrats. And the thing is, the money can be spent any way they want, not necessarily for veterans care. And that's why a lot of Republicans voted against it initially, because they wanted the money to go to veterans. And a lot of the Democrats had a lot of other ideas in mind. Um, so they stopped it. The fact is that it could be used for any reason. But it has since passed, and let's hope that some of the Republicans got their way on this thing, uh, because they can get money other ways to do things like that. By the way, I wanted to get to this story before we run out of time. A federal judge on Monday refused to dismiss a lawsuit filed against Delaware government officials who recalled a vanity license plate issued to a breast cancer survivor because of what the state transportation secretary described as perceived profanity. And the judge said uh, the woman, well, it, it raised a significant constitutional issue. The um, vanity plate, and again, this is up in Delaware, um, said F-C-A-N-C-E-R, F. C-A-N-C-E-R. She got it a couple of months later, and then she got a letter from the Department of Motor Vehicles saying the plate doesn't represent the division and the state in a positive manager, a manner. And the, um, the DMV manager said that any plate considered offensive will be denied or recalled if issued in error. And the judge basically, I think, is ruling on her half um, that Good. the average person wouldn't consider that to be obscene and that the First Amendment rights apply to vanity tags and any regulations have to be viewpoint neutral. And it was pointed out, let me see if I can find this part, she pointed out that the DMV itself has used implied profanity on electronic signs advising motors to drive safely. Those messages include get your head out of your apps and oh, sell no. So you know what? Get your head out of your... Yeah. And then, oh, hell no. <laughs> well, here's the thing. They could try to keep all these uh, phrases off the vanity plates, Jack, but you're going to see the full language on anyone's T-shirt. I see it all the time walking around Tampa. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing is everywhere, so folks need to get used to it. Oh, yeah. Well, uh going to be the James Berlander show tomorrow morning. <laughs> and I'll see you again on Monday on AM Tampa Bay. Live it up.